Hello friends, this is Pastor Bill Clark. Welcome to the podcast. Hello friends are the first two words I begin each message that I get the privilege to share each Sunday. I get to tell my friends about the greatest friend, Jesus Christ. I also consider friends to be one of the greatest gifts a person can have in this earthly life. Most of the episodes will be messages I share each Sunday, but from time to time, I'll invite a friend to share some of their life with us over a beverage. I pray these episodes bless you and help you on this journey of life. God's blessings to you, friend. This is a message I shared at Timothy Lutheran Church on Sunday, February 4th, from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We talk a lot about identity, and Paul talks about our identity in Christ. Hello, friends. Well, folks of a certain age, like my age, may be familiar with the 1985 movie, The Breakfast Club. The whole movie takes place in one day. Specifically, it's Saturday, March 24th, 1984. Five students from Shermer High School have to report at 7 a.m. on a Saturday for all-day detention. Hence the name of the movie, The Breakfast Club. Well, as the movie starts, there's a voiceover, and he describes the five students as a brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. See, that's what makes the movie so good, that these five students, they're so different. And if it wasn't for Saturday detention, this quintet would have never been in the same room, let alone speak to one another. Now what makes the movie profound, profound enough to talk about it 40 years later, is that they not only talk to each other this day, But they joke with each other, they argue, they laugh, they cry, and they become friends on this day. So the question we have to ask ourselves is this, why didn't this happen before? Why didn't this happen before Saturday detention? Now, if you've been to high school, you know the answer, because your identity, who you are, right, is a brain or an athlete or a basket case or a princess or a criminal, who you hang out with, right? The group that you hang out with. Because if you don't, if you don't live up to the group that you hang out with, those expectations of the group, or these cliques that we used to call them, right? Then you risk getting the boot, kicked out, having no identity at all, and eating your lunch by yourself in the cafeteria. So what happened? with the Breakfast Club. Well, they got a new identity this day, specifically one as detainees in detention. A new common identity that trumped all their others and freed them, in this case, to be friends. These five high school students were freed 
just the same way that Paul was and we are. Well, kind of. But this movie does give us a picture of being freed from what we feel traps us in. Imagine the Apostle Paul before his conversion. He's on the Damascus Road. On that Damascus Road, God blinded Paul and asked him, why are you persecuting me? Imagine Paul as a student. right? He's at Tarsus High School where he grew up. What was Paul's identity? What was Paul, then known as Saul, a candidate? Was he a candidate most likely to be a missionary, a preacher? Or was he known for something else in his high school years? Paul wrote this about himself in one of his epistles. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless, Paul writes in Philippians. What's his group? What's his tribe? What's his clique? Is he a Jew, a Pharisee, top of his class, a zealous enforcer? Before Jesus met him on the way to Damascus, this is what Saul just was. That drove his very action and his interaction. This was the identity of Paul when he went by Saul in his younger days. But that's not the identity that Paul held on to. Paul goes on to write, But whatever gain I held, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Imagine yourself. That Saturday morning at Shermer High School, Saturday, March 24th, 1984. What's your group? What's your tribe? What's your clique? Perhaps try some diagnostic questions to help identify the tribe from which you get your who am I? What is my identity? I said this in our welcome, but do you remember that the five students of the Breakfast Club, they had an assignment on that Saturday. They had to write a 1,000-word essay answering the question, who do you think you are? You ever try to answer that question? Now, if you want to try it later on today, a 1,000 words equals two pages single-spaced or four pages double-spaced. So you sit down and think about, who do I think I am? You write a few facts about who you are, your family, your likes and your dislikes. Then you find yourself stuck. What would someone else want to know about me? Or what would be a surprise if I told others? Here's a few questions to get you thinking. Who am I? Why do you live where you live? Whose approval do you need or crave? Whose disapproval would hurt you? Whom would you like to see fail or succeed? Who would like to see you fail or succeed? What do I want to be known for? It's hard to see and admit and to confess 
how we get enslaved to the expectations, right? Because there's expectations of being a brain or an athlete or a basket case or a princess or a criminal. We hold ourselves to the identity that we claim that we have, right? Often those who most deny the expectations of our perceived identity are the most enslaved to it. You feel trapped in who you are and there's no way out. For those feeling trapped today, for this feeling enslaved to expectation of our perceived identity, Paul had words of freedom for us today. Words of freedom for you. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. Now in this translation, since may be better rendering than though. For since I am free from all. Paul is no longer enslaved to the prove yourself and build your own identity accusations of law. And since he has been freed from the desire to please himself to the cool kids, right? That is, to live up to worldly expectations, he's free to do whatever it takes. Even enslave himself to save some, as Paul writes in verse 22. Martin Luther wrote in his book on Christian freedom, a Christian man is the most free Lord of all and subject to none. A Christian man is the most dutiful servant of all and subject to everyone. See, Luther's agreeing with Paul here in his writing. Because in Christ, Paul is, perfect, is a perfectly free Lord of all and subject to none. And he is therefore free to be subject to and of all. What happened to Paul so that he could recognize his earlier life as a Jew, as a top-notch Pharisee, as an enforcer, and the enslavement he had to this group, this tribe, these expectations? Jesus happened to him, didn't it? Jesus transformed Saul. Jesus showed up and gave him a new identity. Acts chapter 9. And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The risen Jesus gave him a sure identity, surer than death. The gracious Jesus gave him an identity he didn't have to prove over and over and over again. The forgiving Jesus gave him an identity that he can't mess up. We just read this a bit ago, but I want to read it again. Philippians 3.8 Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. The priceless treasure Jesus gives to Paul was an identity that made all other stuff in his life, the thought, things that he thought was so important, look like a pile of rubbish. Now rubbish is a nice translation here. Because you look the word up in the Greek and it means this. Dung, refuge, garbage is what Paul's talking about. And what is true for Paul is also true for you today. The same is true for you. So who are you? You identify with the brain, the athlete, the basket case, a princess, a criminal? What is your identity that you are holding on to? Back to the breakfast club. 
Back to the essay, each of the five were supposed to be writing that Saturday in detention. 1,000 words answering the question, who do you think you are? Well, instead of writing the essay, they pass time by arguing, they listen to music, and well, they do other things high school students do, right? And they gradually open up about their home lives and the reasons for being in detention. We learn in the movie, The Princess is in detention because her popularity subjects her to intense peer pressure while her bickering parents use her against each other. She got detention for skipping school to go shopping. The criminal reveals the abuse he and his mother suffer from his father and is serving detention for pulling a fire alarm. The athlete is intimidated by his father to succeed in sports. He's given detention for hazing a student in an attempt to win his teammates and his father's approval. The brain is under such pressure from his parents to get good grades that he falls into deep depression after getting an F in shop class and was sent to detention for bringing a flare gun to school. I'm afraid if that happened today, I'm certain he'd get more than Saturday morning detention. The basket case. She is a compulsive liar with neglectful parents. She's constantly stealing things to use should she ever run away from home. And she admits that she showed up for detention because she didn't have anything better to do on that Saturday. See, they don't get around to writing the essay until the end of the movie. And actually, they have the brain write the essay on behalf of all five. The point is this. By 4 p.m. on March 24th, the detainees were not who they thought they were at 7 a.m. As the breakfast club comes to a close, the principal reads the essay. The essay tells the principal that he has made assumptions about all of them and declares that each one of us is a brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, The Breakfast Club. Maybe a good sequel would be this question, the question that's left unanswered in the movie. What happens on Monday, March 26th? When school resumes for the week and the brain and the athlete and the basket case and the princess and the criminal go back to Shermer High School. Did the commonality and the common identity forged on March 24th on that Saturday stand? Or do they go back to living up to the identity of their groups, their cliques? By the time Paul wrote his well over 1,000 word essay to the Corinthians, he knew very well who he was and to what he was. The now believing in Jesus, Paul has a new identity. and Jesus, Paul is free. And since he is free from the, the enslaving identities and expectations, he's free to do, to do what comes naturally to his new identity. He's gripped and captivated by the gracious call of Jesus, secure in an identity that cannot be taken away. And he does what he cannot help but do, preaching the gospel by which enslaved sinners are set free. Paul goes on in his letters to share his life story, how God has worked through him, how God has used him, how God has given him a new identity. With no one left to impress, Paul is free. Paul writes, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people 
that by all means I might save some. Now you might think when you read this verse that Paul, Paul thinks pretty highly of himself, right? Is Paul saying here, I'm a pretty good preacher. Everybody knows it. If Paul or any other pastor is able to say, I've become all things to all people, it's not because he's a good speaker, a good writer, has a great personality, has a great family, or has a great wife, which I do. You know Timothy has one of the best pastor's wives that you could have. But my opinion is just a little bit biased, right? But Paul affirms here, what is he doing? He's affirming the importance of learning about, respecting, and identifying with the hearers in order to reach them effectively. He wants to know and to be able to relate to them. You do that by learning, respecting, and identifying with others. So now it's your March 26, 1984. It's a Monday. You are free in Jesus. Who are you? You're a child of God, right? You are a child of God. In fact, get a little exercise this morning. You're going to say it with me, right? We're going to say the first line and the second line together. Ready? Hello, my name is? Your name, right? Try it again. Hello, my name is? And I am? One more time. We've got to do it one more time. Hello, my name is? And I am? You are a child of God. Your calling is probably different than Paul's. But your identity is the same. You're possessed by Jesus. You are a member of the body of Christ. You are a member of the Jesus Club. Paul goes on to give us instructions on how to be a member of the Jesus Club because it's a struggle. It's a struggle to remember that your true identity lies in Christ alone. You may not be even out of the parking lot today before you start to question some things about yourself. Here's Paul's instructions for us today on how to live as a child of God in the Jesus Club. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. I love the sports references that Paul makes. I love them because no athlete is perfect, right? On Sunday, when a quarterback makes a mistake, Monday morning, everybody's talking about it, isn't it? Everybody. Everybody knows the mistake he made. But what's the quarterback do? He comes back the next Sunday. And he has to forget what happened last Sunday. He has to look forward to the game game ahead. Time and time again we fail. We make mistakes. Paul knows that. God knows that. God doesn't tell us to focus on our mistakes and who we trap ourselves into think we are. God tells us that we are to keep running the race. And he says, when you finish, you will receive a prize that's not only imperishable, it's forever. It's eternal. C.S. Lewis said, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. You are a child of God. 
What are you now free to do? Focus on the identity you have as a child of God. Let's face it, there are many people struggling with identity today. Identity comes in many different ways. Think of all the things we try to identify with in our lives. If we made a list of them, they'd probably be a mile long. I heard this week that a six-year-old a six-year-old laughs 300 times per day, and the average adult laughs 10 to 15 times per day. What happens? Right? We tell the six-year-old and the young kid, child, you can be whatever you want. You can grow up to be whatever you want to be, right? Society tells us we can be whatever you want to be, so, so be it, Right? And then people struggle with identity in order to seek happiness and joy and contentment. And in the end, no matter what they try to be, there is no true happiness, no true joy, no true contentment. And people start to feel lost. I think we can all relate to the feeling, lo- feeling lost at some point in our lives, can't we? I hear things like, I want to know God's will for my life. I wish God would just tell me what He wants me to do. I hear people saying this. There's something similar to it many times during their life, including myself. We lose lose focus on God. We forget that we are a child of God. We seek to be the person we think others want us to be. Maybe in high school you were the brain, or you were the athlete, or the basket case, or the princess. Or the criminal. And maybe today you are or were a banker, a railroader, a factory worker, or whatever title you held. That identity is not what matters to God. Whoever you are, you have been transformed by Jesus. He has marked you as His own. There's no one to impress, no earthly prize to win. But Paul tells us of an eternal prize. An eternal prize paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ on a cross at Calvary. So Paul tells us to run. Run that you may obtain it. But there's going to be times we're going to walk. We're going to crawl. We're going to stumble. But Paul tells us, don't stop. Don't stop. Amen. Thank you once again for listening to the podcast. If you have any questions about anything that we share in our messages, any questions on faith, any just general questions, get a hold of me. I'd love to have a conversation. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. God bless.